Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text, a weekly podcast where a couple seminary profs uh, geek out on the lectionary uh, text for the upcoming Sunday and swap some possible sermon ideas uh, for listeners to enjoy for their own edification. Pastors in particular may draw on in their own preparation uh, for sermons and teachings and otherwise. I'm your host, uh, regular host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology uh, for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. This week, uh, we're discussing the text set aside for Transfiguration Sunday, which is the Sunday prior to the beginning of Lent. And our passage comes from uh, the Gospel according to Luke chapter 9. You'll hear more about that when we jump in uh, with my uh, regular guest this week is Aaron Perry, who teaches uh, pastoral theology and leadership uh, also for Wesley Seminary, my colleague just down the hall. Uh, we had a good time today uh, geeking out on this familiar but yet still fully full of surprises passage, uh, the story of Christ's transfiguration. So uh, we hope you uh, enjoy the pod. So here it goes. We're opening up the lectionary here, and we're looking at, uh, let's see, the uh, Transfiguration Sunday, which is always the last Sunday before Lent, uh, starts. And the passage is Luke 9, verse 28 through 36, with the option of 37 through 43a. Do we want to take the option? What's going to serve people better? What are they going to preach from? More likely to preach from? Well, let's read 28 through 36. And then if we feel like we want to keep going, we'll keep going. Okay. So it's an optional addition. So okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, was the right oh, question. I was, well, it was the right question, but I also wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying total <laughs> attention. So I was like, I thought it was a different, like a different section, but it's just adding on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually I like more rather than less. I see. But yeah, let's do the addition. Let's do the full, yeah. full length there. In fact, I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. To be honest. <laughs> All right, so Luke 9, starting at verse 28 and going through, yeah, 43a. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Um, who wants to read this week? Oh, I can read. You want to read and I'll pray? We can yeah. swatch it. And... Let me pray. Let me pray. You want to pray? I'll read. You pray this time? Yeah. Oh, man. Read your Bible, pray every day. It's, you know, it's the only two things we have to do. We'll grow, grow, grow. That's the song. Uh, All right, so here goes. Uh, the Gospel according to St. Luke uh, for uh, March 3rd, 2019. And some eight days after saying these things, it came about that Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who, appearing in glory, were speaking of his exodus which was about to be accomplished in Jerusalem. 
Now, Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And it came about as they were parting away from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. And while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them, and they were afraid as they entered into the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. And it came about on the next day that when they came down from the mountain, a great multitude met him. And behold, a man from the multitude shouted out, saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into a convulsion with foaming at the mouth. And as it mauls him, it scarcely leaves him alive. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. And while he was still approaching, the demon dashed him onto the ground and threw him with violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Father, may we listen to your Son through this written word. May your Holy Spirit not only illumine our minds, but make us white as well, clean and fresh and ready not only to hear the word, but to live according to his commands. So we ask for our Lord Jesus to be the one who is speaking to us, and we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that prayer. Well, I can see why you could go either way with with uh, the, the boundaries of the passage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so – the transfiguration story really works just on its own. But there's a power in this in the scene, you know, the next day when they come down from the mountain. Right. So it's a – that would even be a judgment call that and, – and a case could be made that you just study it together and then decide. I mean I know for me that I often I, – I don't choose the exact boundaries of my passage often until they make me for the bulletin, you know, because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it depends where – what direction the sermon's going, you know, whether you want the double or the one. Yeah, wow. Yeah, trying to see some of the wisdom in putting these passages together. So the, the scene – opens with them going up onto a mountain and the next scene it has when they come down from the mountain um perhaps there's a 
connection with Peter seeing Jesus, certainly in, in lofty company with Moses and Elijah, mm. but the transfiguration is, of course, setting him aside from Moses and Elijah, that he is elevated above. And I'm wondering, is the is the man's title for Jesus here, teacher, certainly a title of respect, but is it is it not not mm. lofty enough, right? Is there is there a parallel though, parallel there between the disciples' view of him and this man's view of him? Um, of course, the claiming of the son, this is my son, and then the next passage, mm. this is my only my only child. Um, so there's some there's some certainly some possible connections, right? That that would uh, unite these stories. But yeah, I'm kind of wondering what's the is that enough to draw them together? You know, do they do they shade or, or color one another? Yeah, I know you definitely get a kind of the blocking of the scene seems to matter um, in that it's clear that this man had been asking the other, what, nine disciples that weren't with him who were trying to perform this healing and were failing to. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, ah, Jesus shows up. And it makes you kind of wonder, like, because, of course, this story would have been told a lot right away even before Jesus death right mm-hmm. this would have been a, sure. a grand story yeah, the second yeah, half yeah, yeah. whereas the transfiguration is clearly yeah. a secret story yeah it even says they told no one about this mm. until after mm. so you wonder if it's like after it was kind of like uh by the way what were you guys doing up there well actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh voice from heaven and everything you know it's kind of they, they, they're clearly paired in the sense of taking place that there's some overlap in the events you know um, because there's a reference in verse, uh, what is it, uh, 40, 40, I begged your disciples to cast it out and they could not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, th- that's just in terms of the chronology, the stories. You know, sometimes you get two stories back to back and it's just like, well, you know, any two stories could have, you know, there's not necessarily uh And then other times there's an explicit sense that like that this event happened, this other event, you know went the way it did precisely because of what was happening before. And then the thematic connections. I know that Matthew and Mark have the same sequence. It's always right after. Without, uh, without the lectionary, I wouldn't have put it together. Yeah. And the lectionary is to give me a favor here to, mm-hmm. to drive me a little bit further in this story. Yeah. I, I only ever picked up on the connection between these two stories because of doing synoptic parallel kind of work, hmm. you know, um, and noticing that, Mark, Matthew, Luke all have this exact okay. sequence. You get, you get uh, Peter's confession, um, the feeding of the five thousand, the the walking on the water, and then transfiguration, and the healing of this boy are just kind of all. And then the second passion prediction right comes right after this. Mm-hmm. Those are just the same sequence in all all three synoptic gospels. It's one of the reasons we call them the synoptic gospels is they share this is one of the key sequences that they all kind of follow, you know, which does of course link it link it to either Mark had a reason to put these together and those themes might not be as clear, you know, when you get to Matthew and Luke if they're dependent on him. Or it's just I don't know, the the way it happened. <laughs> and, then, and so they have independent reasons to keep them together, you know, cause there are, there are things that Mark puts in order that Luke puts in a different order. So Luke sometimes disagrees and thinks that Mark's order is confusing. This is one where he sticks to it. So I don't know what use that kind of narrating out has, but I always love to, that, it, that at least Luke's, uh, Luke's parallels in Mark and Matthew here, there's a deep agreement about this kind of sequence of events that these kind of go together for some reason. 
Do you think there's a connection between the the voice from the cloud saying, this is my son hmm. whom I have chosen, listen to him, and then actually a little bit further on in the passage that we didn't read, but verse 44, where Jesus says, mm-hmm. listen carefully to what, I'm about, what, to what I am about to tell you, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, right? Yeah. Is, that, is that what they are to listen to? Is that what they are to, to pay attention to? Hmm. Is this, I mean, certainly son of man is a, a glorious title, Um um, that Jesus uses time and again of himself. I think it's his favorite desi- self-designation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it's it's different from teacher. You mm-hmm. know, so, so there's a sense of, of – his sense of self is very strong here and uh, certainly reaffirms what how he's been validated in the transfiguration story, this voice from heaven saying, no, this, you know, not Moses, not Elijah. This is my son, right? Listen to him. Yeah. Uh. Um, I'm wondering. Yeah, is there is there a a sandwich here? Is there a a sandwich of putting this story of the boy being healed in between these two other parts that are are uh, huh. more clearly connected? Yeah, well, 44 and 45 are definitely worth including, and you could you could consider even uh, including those in in a reading, depending on again where the where the sermon might go. Um, but even before getting to 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 preaching on it, I mean, there's just such a clear, you know, you get the the heights of the transfiguration, and then the, and the, the the sort of Peter's desire to stay there, right? Yep. Lock it in. Yep. And in point of fact, no, we're going to return back into the to just this demonic world, you know, yeah. and face off the demons. And where am I really headed? I'm headed to Jerusalem to die, you know, not to win. Um, so yeah, the passion prediction is so crucially connected, I think. And I think, I think you're dead on with that. And, and the, the monogenes, the, the, the only, he is my only son in verse 38. I mean, that's, that repeats in Luke. He, Mm. there's the, the woman in Nain back in, I don't know, chapter what, five, six, seven, somewhere in there. There's a, there's a woman whose son was dead, right? And Jesus touches the coffin and everyone is spooked and he raises from the dead. And he's a monogenous, an only child. Or Jairus's daughter is his only daughter. Like, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke really likes to highlight this kind of repeated motif, and I think it's relevant. These, I, that's got to have some resonance with him as the only begotten, you know, the only son, the one and only son of of God that's being given up for us. Mm. You know, um, I wonder if there's a picture of of what Jesus is going to undergo. In the in the crucifixion, as a description of this child being uh, under, mm. the, under an external power, and Jesus submits himself to this to this submits himself to this uh, wicked and perverse generation uh, in the crucifixion. And I, I'm just kind of interesting interested in, in the language here. Uh, verse forty two: Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And think about you know the, the Luke's Luke's story. That's how it ends, right? Is the return of the son to the father? You know, this he's gone, and the, the the father gives a son. The son goes on this journey, and the son returns to the father victorious. Um, and and that's kind of plotted out here, but but with the characters of the father interceding, mm-hmm. but but powerless. The those who are on the those critical players, the disciples, powerless to achieve mm-hmm. a difference in the boy. Um, the boy is used for the for the sake of not used in a wrong sense, but the boy the boy is 
can't overcome the spirit and is and is given um, this gift of healing, and then he's re- and then he's given back to the Father. There's a way that I can kind of think of see the story of Jesus in that. Um, I mean, it's all his own voluntary submission to the work and plan of the Father, of course. But but faces off with the evil one, is victorious and returns to the Father. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering if there's a if the if this is kind of coloring the journey that Jesus is about to take to Jerusalem that he predicts in verses 44, 45. Yeah. And that's already hinted at just without the details in, because I think that I don't remember this being, I mean, I could double check this, but Matthew and Mark, they don't say what Moses and Elijah are talking about. Um, I'm going to double check that claim because it, if it, if it's true, it's more fun, but I know they don't use the phrase uh, Exodus. Yeah, this is Mark yeah, yeah, yeah. 9, verse 4. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. doesn't say why. And, P- and Peter says, good to be here. So, but here it says, they, right. you know, verse 31, right? Yeah. You know, and they appeared in glory, speaking about, you know, his exodus, yes. which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem, right? Um I don't know. Did you, what is your what is the NIV uh, departure? Departure, yeah. yeah, which is fine, but yeah. it's like, I mean, you got Moses standing there. Why not just say <laughs> Exodus, right? It's the literally the word there is Exodus. Yeah, it's a Greek word. Uh, <laughs> um, of course, ascension language, right? This is this is that's right, Exodon. You know, you know the weaving together of this story uh, from the Old Testament, what Jesus is about to do, yeah. in, in Luke's theology and Luke's Luke's specific way of telling the story, um, yeah. Yeah, and and this exodus is that whole event which takes place at Passover, which remembers the exodus, right? So there's already – and he's the Paschal lamb sacrificed and then returns to his father. And so it's already being allu- – you don't even have to dip into mm. 4445 to get there. It's mm. just not filled out. Mm-hmm. But only Luke tells us what Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were talking about, um, which – I just love that. Uh, you almost, I, I sometimes, I, this is surely just speculative and, and baseless, but <laughs> I totally picture Luke as like someone who like, it's not, this again, I don't think this is actually realistic to how people wrote uh, in the ancient world, but I like picturing him as quasi almost like a journalist, like he's interviewing people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he'll do these, you get these little things like where he says like, you know, it's almost like he set up a meeting with Peter and was like, hey, so I'm kind of working on a new version of the gospel that's going to have a bunch of cool stuff in it that wasn't in Mark's and um, can and, – and like – so like and, – and, and he just – so tell me the transfiguration story and he's telling it. It sounds just the way it does in Mark and then – but he, he's, he's interrupting with little questions like – and oh, he's like, yeah, you know, like yeah. – and Matthew, you know, and Elijah and Moses and Jesus were talking and, and then I said, whoa, what? Yeah, but what were they talking about? He's like, oh, well, his, you know, what was going to happen in Jerusalem? And then I think of Luke kind of saying like, I'll, I'll use the word Exodus to kind of, like, <laughs> kind of, you know. Like, <laughs> um, but he's like this kind of like these extra little details, like that they were praying. It doesn't say that in Mark's, you know, it doesn't mean that they weren't praying. It's just Jesus wants, I mean, Luke really wants to highlight that they were, they were in prayer, right? Mm. And some of the disciples, not all were with him. And, and while he's praying, these events took place, right? And he says this very unique kind of description. 
Can can you do me a favor? Can yeah, you, can you, sure. So uh, Luke nine fifty one, uh, NIV mm-hmm. has as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Jesus, right. Jesus resolutely set up for Jerusalem. What? How does that? What's the Greek for it's, that? It's not Exodus. Let me check. Though I'm trying to remember. Um, right, because verse fifty one is coming up uh, to our listeners. That like that's that turning yeah, point. Yeah. Right. So this is clearly like the. It, it's similar in Mark. There's a kind of. Mm-hmm. The, the transitions after this sequence yep. kind of heads towards Jerusalem. But the journey to Jerusalem is much longer in Luke. Um, uh, I'll just do a, a rough reading. And it came to pass in the, you know, f- fulfill, fulfillment maybe, um, in the coming to be of the days of his – Analemsus autu, his, I don't know what that word means. Weird. His ascension. Okay. Is that the word for ascension? I don't know. And he set his face that was it. to that, the going to Jerusalem. That, that's what I was looking for. Is that he. But the, the days of his analemsus, my, Zeus, my, uh, my. Greek pronunciation is terrible, but that word I think is uh, the same as I think that is the Greek word for ascension. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I'm just I'm the play on his face, right? Um, oh, he, gotcha. His face, the is, face. His face is changed, and here he's got this uh, this stone face. He, he set his face towards Jerusalem, and uh, that that's what I was I was wondering is 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 there more to do. Is there something about his face? Is there? I mean, obviously, this transfiguration of his face is a sense of of mission that he's being prepared for it. He's validated by the voice. This is this is my son. Listen to him, and now he resolutely sets his face towards Jerusalem. Mm. And you have this this journey that will not be deterred to Jerusalem. That with Jesus full knowing what is going to happen, right? Full knowing what kind of showdown conflict is going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah, the okay, okay, yeah, the setting of his face. Oh, mm-hmm. and that really fits with this sense of of his purpose of what's to come. Yeah, there's a like like Yeah, I thought you were wondering about the the other word the the the, the, the him being taken away from them, his removal. Right, right. I mean, uh that is ascension. Uh the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. So it's uh, the days of his ta- being taken take up it, yeah. would be like the most wooden way of translating it. All right, so I'm I'm seeing that there. I'm seeing uh, Exodus, right, uh, mm-hmm. as a kind of as a as a word for ascension, the son being given back to the father, and the, and so seeing that ascension theme, just I love how Luke just weaves it into the story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they so often the gospel writers so often do that without us, either maybe even unaware themselves at times that this sure. is just how they've learned how to tell the story, right? They've learned how to tell that with their theology in mind. They just they can't help but do that. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, I'm trying to think about, is there a connection between his face being set towards Jerusalem mm-hmm. and his face being transfigured to have this, this, which is also a Moses reference as well. His face is right. transformed and Moses. Has oh, to put the I veil forgot on, about that. Right. But now there, there is no veil, right? Mm-hmm. We see the face of God heading towards Jerusalem. We see the return of God to Jerusalem with his face bared, resolutely heading towards them. Um, in verse 51. Yeah, no, I, I see where you're going with the, uh, and it's very fitting. Like, I think there's a reason, like the, the, the traditional, um, 
liturgical calendar, the Christian calendar of this ordinary time that runs from Christmas and Epiphany and the beginning of Christ's life. And then we journey with Jesus, his baptism, his early ministry. And then there's this long-standing tradition that Transfiguration Day um, is the last Sunday before Lent, right? Which is based on, as you can see, the structure of the mm -hmm. Synoptic Gospels, mm -hmm. because that's the kind of last big moment mm -hmm. Before he journeys towards Jerusalem, and actually a lot of the past, a lot of the texts from Lent are taken both from John's Gospel as well as from those uh, journey that journey to Jerusalem. Right? I don't know. We'll see what happens this year, but I'm I'm imagining we'll have some a few good uh, texts from Luke that kind of fill out that journey to Jerusalem. Right? And actually, all the famous things that are only in Luke all take place during that journey to Jerusalem. The the Good Samaritan story is there. The mm. the the prodigal son story is there. Staying with Mary and Martha is there, right? Um, so a lot. Of, there's a whole bunch of teachings that he kind of loads into that that kind of middle period of Jesus' life, and it's very fitting that 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 Lent and that journey to death and journey into suffering is bracketed. You can picture it as bracketed by Transfiguration and Easter by glory, right? He's already glorious. Um, but his glory has a purpose. It's a purpose of his um, suffering uh, with us. Is this making sense? Yeah. So it's not just like, you know, peekaboo, I'm really awesome. It's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I am this glorious son of God and I am um, here to die with you and for you, right? For the sake of your redemption. So. So with that, with that connection, I'm wondering if Luke is putting a, Drawing a connection between the transfiguration story, which – I mean this is just a very strange thing to be included. Verse 32, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. <laughs> right? they, they, and mean, Luke's got that in verse, chapter 22, right? 23? That's what I was Is that where you're going? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, you did it. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I is, took your credit. Is, uh, <laughs> uh, when he's, – he's in, he's in at the, the Mount of Olives. Uh, when he rose from prayer, 22, 22, 22, per, something? 22 verse 45, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. So maybe in one, they're exhausted from glory and here they're exhausted from sorrow. I, mean, I don't think I've ever noticed that they were exhausted from sorrow, which can happen. Is that 2245? 2245. I was looking at 20, the wrong chapter. You know, there's... Wow. Um, but certainly, also praying... Yeah. Which they're doing here at night, invoking the Father, and it's implied. Uh, I mean, it doesn't say that it's at night, but we've seen before that Jesus goes off at night to pray all night. Hmm. So it could just be they're tired. Even are they tired from the glory, or are they just already, or had they oh, just fallen right, asleep? Right, yeah. But you could read it yeah. either way. Yeah, um, you know, it could be like a backtrack. Oh, by the way, they had fallen asleep, dummies. Uh, but see, but uh, see oh that, wow, that wow, wow! Both both of these are same triplet. Peter, James, John. John yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, both of these. I wonder if it. Part of it is both of these are settings of glory, and we just have to learn to 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 see it. Mm. You know, maybe we could say Luke. Luke has a theology of glory here as well, right? Mm. That's, that's cruciform. That's cru uh, centered on the cross as well. But that that connection, the same same trio, um, uh, language of father, father and son. Uh, they're sleepy. Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see more connections. Wonder if there's more. I, I love that. Each other. I love that thought that you hinted at there with because Luther has that famous 
um, text on a theology of the cross versus a theology of glory. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, Luke here is kind of highlighting, you know, that, a a true theology of glory is a theology of That's the right. cross. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, John makes it most explicit, but it's kind of, I wonder is it is it hinted here? Oh yeah, yeah. no, I yeah. see it. I see what you're I see what you're laying down. <laughs> they saw his glory. And and it like Peter is amazed because because he sees them with with Moses and Elijah, right? Let's build up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah. Right? He he's putting Jesus with with this trio, which is I mean he would have to say is like that's pretty lofty company, Jesus, right? And the whole point the is law like, and the prophets, right? <laughs> that's, right. that's right. I mean, uh, but but Jesus is but the the voice is like, okay, don't miss it. This is mm-hmm. my son, right? This this is my son, and seeing here in mm. in Gethsemane the route that the son is going to take mm. of the cup, and the cloud clears, and it's just him alone. All right, verse thirty-six, and he was found. Mm, that's right. Yeah, only. Yeah, just Jesus. Yeah, just Jesus. Listen to him. I don't know if he's saying don't listen to Moses and Elijah per se, but he's definitely saying, you know, he is the, you know, he is my <laughs> final authoritative mouthpiece, right? Mm-hmm. Moses, who, Elijah, and now Jesus. Uh, who will explain uh, everything. So the end of Luke, of course, he said to them, this is what I told you. While I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law and the prophets and the mm-hmm. songs. Right. And he, and he explains everything to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So he is the one who's, it's like if Moses and Elijah are going to be heard, you have to listen to Jesus. If you want to hear them, you have to listen, listen to, to Jesus. Listen to him. Yeah. I love it. It's the exact, the first half of the statement. Is exactly well. No, it's it's not exactly the same. Well, it is, I think, in Luke, right? So from the baptism, remember, chapter right. uh, three. Yep. We might have talked about this already when we did the baptism scene, right? But uh, but when he gets baptized, it's like a, it's like a mini sword drill. John and I are trying to rush to see who could find the passage. First. <laughs> That's why you hear this fever. <laughs> Here it is. So. Luke three twenty two, you are so addressed to Jesus. Hmm. You are my son, the beloved. In you, I am well pleased. And here it's addressed to the disciples. This is my son, the chosen one. Now, the beloved and the chosen are actually two very similar. I mean, those might sound a little different to us because we tend to emotionalize the concept of love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but actually you can see those as roughly, uh, synonymous. Um, so this is my son whom I love slash whom I ch- have chosen. You, you disciples listen to him, listen to him. Mm. Right. Now, if my memory serves, uh, Mark and, uh, Man, I, I should move my synopsis to the office because we've been doing so much gospel stuff. Well, but anyway, maybe it gets me – maybe I'd lean on it too much. But um, yeah, Mark has beloved son. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. It's another one of those little like, you know, those little details where he's like, 
Oh, the way I, you know, you almost, again, interviewing Peter or James or John, right? And they're like, well, the way I remember it, he, he said chosen one, you know? <laughs> but I don't know, you know? <laughs> um, but this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him, right? You listen to him. I was just checking Mark. Mark is the same. Uh, you are my son. This is my son. Mm-hmm. Matches Luke, so you, you are my son. This is my son. Yeah, Matthew does this for both. Okay. As it's like, well, Jesus, I don't know. It's like um, subtle differences, but they don't – It I don't want to lean too much on the difference because the shift though that really stands out to me is the shift from the baptism as a statement of his pleasure and delight – in Jesus. And here it's a command. So it's like he – the baptism in all three gospels, all three synoptics, the f- father is making a statement about who Jesus is full stop, right? And whereas in the transfiguration, the statement about Jesus, the, the indicative as it were, is paired with an imperative, a command. Therefore, listen to him, right? Um, that was maybe implied at the beginning, you know. Um, but the the the, the we, we were talking a lot about how this is foreshadowing his death and resurrection. Now I'm and ascension. Yep. Now I'm kind of pushing back to how it's it's also a callback to baptism. Yeah. Which in many ways these are the kind of three. If you were to structure the life of Jesus, it begins in his baptism. The midpoint is his transfiguration. And the end is his exodus, you know, his death and resurrection, ascension, that whole sequence. Let, let me just run something by here and Do get your thoughts on it. So it, it sparked in my head when you said about verse 36, when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. Mm-hmm. So certainly we're reading Moses and Elijah are gone. And what I'm wondering hmm. is, is there a sense that that he is uh, – distant from the father in this moment that even as he sets his face towards Jerusalem, it's like the father has given this, this hmm. final sense of, of presence. So the glory is on his face. He sets this face towards Jerusalem. There's this kind of alienation between father and son in the next story. He gives the wow. son back to his father. Wow. The reason I'm asking is because it says this is the voice from the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, Luke's, ascension story is he ascends on the cloud mm-hmm. right he goes he goes back and they they observe the ascension with this in mind which is a callback to daniel daniel 7 um and and the the gethsemane scene then in that is the son's deep pleading and request with the father Begging. that goes unanswered yeah goes unanswered you, no cloud no voice yeah right and and the cup is not taken Right, he he. Yep. The cup is not is not taken, and if we're getting a sense of he he's alone, not just without Moses and Elijah. If he's going to be separate from Moses and Elijah, he's also going to be in a sense apart from the. Yeah, father. I see it. Yeah, that's the root of the son. That's amazing. That's yeah. the root of the son is to be separate from the father for our sake. Jesus alone. <laughs> and and ironically, you know, it's like it's so funny because I was actually my mind was reading it. I, I was also engaging in an overreading that was pointing in the opposite direction, and they're not mutually exclusive; they're perspectival. Because uh, I was kind of picturing it as the cloud's gone, 
um, because he is the cloud. He is the presence of the Father. He is the voice of the Father. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't don't need don't need don't need another don't need God to speak from heaven again. Just listen to this guy. It's almost as if the Father is saying, "Listen to him." In other words, not to me, not just not to Elijah and Moses. Mm. You don't have to listen to me as something I don't have. Now that once you come to believe that he is my son, you don't need anything else. You need to hear from me. Everything else I have to say to you, you'll hear it from him. As and and again, this is reading it in a more kind of Johannine direction, where mm-hmm. he says, "I will be alone, and yet I'm not alone, for the Father is always with me." Because mm-hmm. there's, of course, another sense in which the forsakenness of the Son is the total presence of the Father yeah. uh, with Him in the Spirit, uh, experiencing this suffering with Him, uh, but not by way of you know saving Him from the hour, but by uh, being one with Him in it um, silently, though. But I think you're right. There's a silence. There's a silence. There's a, a loss of the cloud, a loss of the vision, uh, a return to normalcy too that goes with that, that go, which is why the next story matters so much. Now back to the yeah. back to the mess of this world. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and it's like Jesus has to hold on to those words that he was given at his baptism. You are my son. Yeah. And and like that that ver I'd have to go through Luke again, but I would be interested in reading Luke through mm-hmm. what is the prayer life of Jesus after this moment? And, and if he is coming back to this moment of being alone and reminded of his baptism at the same time. So it's, it's shifting back. It's, it's filling him. It's a sense of, of reinvigoration for his mission. So the face, I mean, I'm going back to the theme of the face, right? Yeah. His, his face is prepared for where he has to go. And um, he, and it may be that at least according to his humanity, he's, uh, coming to a consciousness and clarity about what his mission entails. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the journey to his death has only recently been unveiled, you know, uh, to the disciples at least. So he's definitely – there's a turn here. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I dig it. I dig it. Well, we've run in a bunch of different fun directions, which is what I love about doing good, <laughs> good exegetical work. Let's take a short break and when we come back, let's uh, hone in on where we might go with this uh, if we were to be preaching on it. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Welcome back to Fresh Text and the fake break that <laughs> Aaron and I just took right there. Nice and awkward. Uh, <laughs> Moment of silence. Who, who speaks first? Yeah, yeah. It's can, me, Aaron. Can, I speak first. <laughs> Last week, I was like, what, what would happen if I said no, right? And you're like, well, I, I'd read the scripture. Now I'm like, what would happen if I just broke the silence? What would happen if I brought us back from the break? Like, we'd have to do a cut and be like, no, no, no. Edit no. that out. John, John's the one who brings us back from break. I think it could be you. I think it'd be great. <laughs> one of these days. I'd love John. for you to do a little bit more work around here. <laughs> one, one of these days, John. I will. I will summon us back. Well, I mean, I've been a. We'll see if you're up for it. But I mean, we're gonna. I've, I'm already lining up some guests uh, to do some fresh text with me. And if you're game, you can do some uh, oh, with guests. But I know you're pretty loaded up with your other podcasts, so. But anyway, I mean, our vision for this is over time, we might even not even have either of us on it sometimes, mm. you know, because mm-hmm. it's really the format mm-hmm. uh, is the point, is the process, you know, not the personalities. Um, not that I don't like your personality, Aaron. 
Thanks, John. <laughs> All right, so here, I just want to put this out because I'm, I'm flipping back and I'm yeah. trying. I'm, I'm looking back in Luke, and and I'm just you know just fun. Uh, um, Joseph says this to Jesus whenever he stayed back at the temple. His mother said to him, uh, "Sorry." His mother said to him, uh, "Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you." Mm. You know, I'm just. I, I would really like to read this. The this. Sonship, I mean, then of course Jesus at his hometown. Uh, isn't this Joseph? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Right. I'm, I'm really interested to see. Mm. Um, is there a sense of him being separate from his parents that is would lead us in, in ways of, of reflecting on that phrase? Uh, the cloud departs and Jesus was alone. Huh. You know, I really want. I, I'm really interested in looking through Luke for that now. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to it. I'm just. I'm curious now. Yeah, well, definitely, I mean, just to put some uh, juice behind that, I mentioned earlier that there's there's some stories that are only in Luke, that, and there's even stories that are in Luke where he adds the emphasis of monogenes only son to the people that he's healing, right? I think there's three or four only sons or only daughters. There's an only daughter at one point. Um, and at the word, the Greek word is monogenes, um, and the word here in verse 36 is, uh, you know, Hurretha, you know, Hurretha. So they found, you know, they found Jesus, Jesus, monos, mm. mono. So it's, it's the same root word. Monogenes is only, um, yeah, begotten yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's a translation problem there, but it's the mono that, that only, right. Just to give you some support. Uh, in the original language supports yeah. this as a theme mm. um, only son and those are the things where when you're translating a passage you know when I when I preach a sermon I always do a fresh translation that's affected by the theme because I want to I'm planting themes for my sermon already right so if I'm going to want to highlight a connection between two words that are the same in the original, I'm going to choose yeah. an English word that yeah. makes them match, you know, yeah. which you wouldn't always do because uh, it doesn't always work out to do it that way because um, language isn't magical. It's practical, you know, so – but it, it has a lot of elbow room. Um, you could really highlight that – that uh, a tale of two only children or something like that. I mean there's a sermon here, a tale of two sons, you know, or something, yeah. right? Well, do you have a – is that where you take it? Is that is that just kind of a sparked thought, or do you have another thought that's been stewing for a little while? Well, the thing that was the, my winkle would have been the contrast. If I chose to preach the whole chunk and not just the transfiguration story, the the two stories of these sons, I think there's something fun to play with there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about all I've got. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about it's a the... lot to take in. I, I would be disinclined. Uh, I think I like having the whole chunk the whole the, the double text in front yeah. of me for yeah. study yeah but i really feel like i would probably zoom in on one or the other if i were preaching yeah uh the passage um i don't know i'm thinking yeah. of one father brings his son who is ill to be healed and another father gives his son who is full of health to heal yeah oh gosh you know, yeah holy crap yeah. there's <laughs> a there's a way that you could the great exchange the, yeah the, it is there it is well, I think we can wrap up fresh time. <laughs> yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> but that, I mean, and you can you can go so oh, no, it's pretty good. <laughs> you can go so deeply into into yeah. that emotional part of the story, and I never would have put those stories together. 
and and what it took, what it takes. If I was to play on what we've been talking about, what it takes for for the son to be given is for the father and son to be strained. Yeah, right. To have that space opened up for the for the one who is ill to to come into their presence. His um, solitude, the solitude of Jesus. Yeah. And I love I love this. I mean, Paul picks up on this theme about um, Paul picks up on this theme. So so Luke here is using cloud cloud departs. He has Jesus is being is taken away and is being taken away from them in the start of Acts and a cloud hides them from their sight. And of course, Paul has this theme of our lives being hidden with Christ in God, mm. right? Oh, and so, yeah. so there's a way that I don't know if I could get you can squeeze all that life into verse. It, but, is it Colossians three three? Yeah, I don't know. yeah, it's awesome. It's an awesome verse. Yeah, uh, but I, I think I would I would have the same winkle as we've talked about it. That's the one I would preach. I would want to preach to is is the desperate father bringing the sick son. So to the, to the healthy son who's been given by the generous father. And of mm-hmm. course we have the generous father theme a, a theme in, uh, in Luke 15, of course, right. With the, with the prodigal son, we are, you have, you have the generous father. I mean, we talked about generosity last week. So, right, so right. it might be a way that you could tie in last week's theme. Some theme connections. The, the lectionary. Yeah. 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 The dark side of being the only begotten, the solitude of Jesus, the loneliness of Jesus. The aloneness of Jesus. I'm trying to find some language to capture the, um, the the imagery that I want to highlight. Could you read the prodigal son? This is off topic. Could you read the prodigal son as a biographical story from Jesus? That those were his two op- those were two of his options to be the prodigal who who left yeah. home and and or to be the or to be the dutifully obedient one who was bitter at the mission that was given to him by his father. Yeah, uh, and yet. Neither one of those. I'd never read it like that, but uh, you might. Yeah, you might do that. Have you ever heard it read like that? Yeah. Oh, I've never heard. It Sorry. Like that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay because John could tell. Like my moment of like of spontaneous like insight showed that that was a genuine moment. Like, yeah. No, I can. If I came across, I that can summer, attest he I'd, wasn't faking I'd, it. I'd, I'd forgotten. But man, that'd be brilliant. That'd be really interesting to read that as a the the struggle that Jesus went through. Is yeah. how is he going to consider? Who is he going to consider the father to be? Of course, he's just, he's not repentant, but but his life could have gone in either one of those directions. And there's elements of truth. I mean, I'll tell you the two places I well. Let's sit on it because there's a there's a we'll chance there's a chance Luke 15's in the lectionary for Lent. Yeah. I don't remember. I'm not a like a long term Lent like lectionary preacher who just knows like oh yeah third week of Lent uh, year C is always <laughs> Luke 15. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I'll save that for them, but yeah, yeah, no, we can come back to that. Cause, but here we're already planting the seeds for that is like to play with this only son when Jesus was found alone. Um, yeah, just like they found Jesus in the temple. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, I think where I, I would probably, pl- I would want to play off the two sons, right? Yeah. A tale of two sons or or a tale of two only children. Yeah. And there could be a story there even about about you know, I had a one of my best friends in in high school and college. Uh we got real close in college. I knew him in high school. We weren't super close yet. His name was Chris and he was an only child and and uh I learned a lot from him and and how different families can be uh with that dynamic. Uh he was an artist and his room would get real messy. And at one point his room got so messy that he just moved into another room and like never cleaned up the previous room. 
<laughs> so he had like two rooms. And that's just like something that would never happen to a kid with siblings, right? That just doesn't happen, right? Um, but like, I, I mean, if you're an only child, like, whatever like why does that matter as long as the parents have their bedroom yeah. like what's it matter right we added extra room and used to be a used to, used to be a guest room and now it's chris's other bedroom <laughs> but i mean those little stories like i feel like there would be um i i know that for me like you know and mandy had a good friend in seminary who was a her name was jessica who was an only child it's one of those things where like once you find that out you know it's like oh like it always makes sense of certain behaviors and and proclivities it's a unique experience and even though jesus uh very likely had you know half brothers and sisters he was always set apart yeah. in his family and 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 so there's some real kind of down-to-earth stories that could be told about being an only child and kind of riffing off that to maybe develop a sermon just around that that aloneness and solitude and the dark side and the light side and and then the contrast and comparison between these two sons, Jesus and this boy. I feel like that's a fun sermon. It's it needs work, but it's it's there's something to work with there. You say that's kind of your winkle too, right? Just well, but you're you're not approaching it from the the only child analogy was more my baby. I yeah. was one. You have a different hunch, I think, where yours is heading, but um, it's more about his kind of mission and purpose. Yeah, but yeah. My mine was. You, I was going to do that with, too. But, you yeah. with the great the great exchange, right? My that would be my yeah. my spot. And just to, as confession is like as I go back through this, I mean, one of the things that I would find in preaching is I get excited about a text, and I think I think it, it's clear. Like as you get into it, you get excited, and you get a sermon going. But then as you keep wrestling with it, you see a totally different sermon. And man, there's been times that I really tried to preach two sermons in one. Ah! You can't do it. That's right. You cannot do that. You cannot preach two sermons in one. So I'd really have to decide, am I going to preach that or am I going to preach more of the transfiguration of, of mm-hmm. Moses and Elijah are now gone? Because that, that, there's a separate theme there that, that Moses and Elijah Who are do gone you listen to? And, and Jesus is there. There's a separate theme from that or is he alone from the Father? Right. And, and those are two separate sermons. And you could allude to one, you but could. which one is which in one? the driver's seat? Yeah. And that's what it takes. Knowing My sermons people. are a mess when I do two or three sermons. You can't do one. one. Yeah. It is, is yeah. which, which do your people need to hear? Or you uh-huh. might use your, like what you said with your dad is like, at some point you have to preach to half your congregation or was it, was it two thirds of your congregation? I can't remember. Yeah. And, but you know, it might be that, okay, half needs this one, half needs this one. Who did I preach to last time? That's right. You know, and, and you got to make a call. And, and, and some of this is just the, you got entrusted to the, entrusted to the Lord that what, what, what he has to say to whoever is there, you make, you, you know, you make your choice and you, and you press forward and you got to choose one sermon or the other because it doesn't work to squeeze two into one. No, you can't squeeze two sermons into one, but there are multiple sermons that you could preach Absolutely. in this, these passages. Absolutely. I have a yeah. bunch of different directions. I mean, yeah. again, I got, I have probably three or four old ideas on transfiguration, but part of, part of fresh text is well, seeing where it goes new. That's right. You know, yeah. and these are some new things, you yeah. know. Do they need Definitely have old to... ideas about the cloud, going into the cloud. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. When you finally find, yeah, yeah. hearing yeah. the voice, hearing the voice of God in the darkness. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole another sermon there, right? Yeah. <laughs> One thing at a time, right? Well, I think that does it for Fresh Text. It's almost been an hour. So, um, good times. I learned a lot from the that text and from you yeah, and it was good was times. Fun. I'll say uh, I'll say a prayer here in a sec, but uh, before we uh, close out, anything? Well, yeah, no, yeah, anything you got to plug? Anything you want to mention before we go? To, uh, just keep, keep on talking about the D men. I'm I'm really excited about the about the D men uh, happening. Uh, the more I think about it, and the more I work with Luigi, my colleague, 
Luigi Penaranda, uh, the more excited I get. So, yeah, and of course, encourage listeners to check out the Wesley Seminary podcast, guest-based podcast, and a little shorter, a good drive-time podcast. Um, I have fun with it anyways. Check yeah, it out. Yeah, no, it's a great podcast. You get great guests, dude. Yeah, I've, been, fun. I've been impressed. Speaking of, speaking of great guests, you should have me on tonight. <laughs> Let's do it. Actually, we're going to take a little break. Actually, we're we're going to record Wesley Seminary podcast yeah. right after this. Yeah, and actually, we might want to throw one of these one of these into the feed of the seminary sometime or vice versa. That could be fun. And also speaking of guests for real, that was meant as a joke, but then I got serious, but, uh, that, uh, we had, um, uh, Dr. Uh, Sophia Fasu was on a few weeks ago and I've got, I won't announce them yet cause I'm still sorting out the schedule, but in the upcoming weeks, I say to our listeners, you're going to be starting to hear some, Great. some people, it'll uh, but it'll be regularly Aaron as well. Um, the, the plan, for me right now, at least is to, we would regularly do one. And then at the same time, I'm recording some mm-hmm. guests and then that helps us get a little bit of head, uh, into the summer. Nice. So, uh, anywho, um, yeah. So other than that, I don't have much else uh, to plug. Just make sure you subscribe and rate and review us on, uh, on the Apple podcast app or wherever you get your apps. So anyway, uh, that feels weird, uh, self-promoting to now say a prayer, but alas, this is the world that we live in. So, um, let me uh, end with this word of prayer. Eternal God, you revealed to the disciples the everlasting glory of Jesus Christ. Grant us who have not seen and yet believed the gift of your Holy Spirit, that we may boldly live the gospel and shine with your transforming glory as people changed and changing through the redeeming presence of our Savior. Amen. All right, have a good preach. <laughs>